Welcome to Whiskey and Wino. Yes, welcome everybody. How's your week? I hear you have snow. Just a little bit, just enough, but it's been a pretty mellow week. But two weeks from today, I will be in California. I know, I'm so excited. We'll get to record in person. Yes, we're going to record in person. It's going to be awesome. We're going to record a bunch. Jen doesn't know it yet, but we are. Oh, no, I'm on the same page. Okay, good. Very nice. Cool. And all I'm going to do is eat Mexican So what do you drink? This week. Um, I'm drinking white <laughs> Russian, but I already took some shots of whiskey. I just didn't want to drag the whole shamil up here. So I just made myself a white Russian. You know, a white Russian and whiskey sounds horrendous. Oh, sometimes I chase the whiskey with the white Russian. Oh, my God. That just curdled <laughs> in my stomach without. <laughs> I know my husband thinks I'm, I'm gross, too. <laughs> that is gross. Well, your lipstick looks really nice today. You look very That's nice. I literally just put it on for you. Hmm. Well, it looks very good. <laughs> um, I'm drinking wine per usual. Per usual. Um, I know. No fancy. I'm I'm not in the um the 19 crimes today. It's my good old standby yellowtail two bottle in one bottle for eight dollars the best kind yes it's the best cheap wine i've had i I like yellowtail i've always been a fan so i i have nothing bad to say against yellowtail it's my go-to as well when i drink wine which is really rare yeah but i do have some exciting news sort of um, my niece, Caitlin, okay. is coming up for Easter. She has a break in her Secret Service training. So she's going to come and podcast with us. Oh, cool. I'm excited. So I said, do you want to do Secrets of the Secret Service? And she goes, no, I thought I wouldn't disappear. I thought it'd be fine if I didn't do that. So yeah, she's going to okay. decide what she wants to talk about <laughs> or wants us to oh, talk about. Fantastic. I'm excited. Didn't she just get engaged? Maybe we she should do did. some sort of like wedding. And he's coming or something too. Or like Levi, a- um, her fiance is coming too, and we love us uh, some Levi here, so we're super excited. I mean, she's cool. going to stay with my mom. I mean, that's grandma. She's coming to see grandma. I'm just a bonus. Hey, well, I mean, we'll take it if she's going to come and record. Cool. Yeah. So, what are we talking about this week? So, we're talking about stalkers. So, I'm going to tell you about the stalking. Sounds like I'm saying stalking. Stalking. Of Esther. You Cox. are saying stalking. I literally wrote Esther and didn't finish her name. Esther Cox is her name. This should be fun. <laughs> this should be a great time. So, I don't know. I I often tell people that um, I married my stalker. Um, when my husband and I were teenagers, he had a big crush on me. And he used to buy me really expensive gifts and take me to concerts. And we were really good friends. But sometimes he got creepy. He'd write me weird letters. Or one time he followed me home in his car from a friend's house. It was a little weird being a 15-year-old girl. But now we're married. (laughs) We connected again on Facebook in our 40s. But stalkers are dangerous. He continued to stalk you. Yeah, he Mm -hmm. didn't have to stalk me anymore. Um, Now we're married. so. But in real life, stalkers are dangerous. And they can end very tragically. But what happens yes. if your stalker is a ghost and you can't get a restraining order Ooh. and you can't have your big brother kick their ass? I don't know. You get salt circles. I don't know. 
Well, this is a case of Esther Cox, so we'll see if we find out. So in 1878, in the small little village of Amherst, located in Nova Scotia, Canada, lived a young woman named Esther Cox. Esther was 18 and was living with her sister, Olive, and her brother-in-law, Daniel, Teed. Also living there were their younger sister, Jenny, and Olive and Daniel's two young children, and Daniel's little brother, John. So quite a lot of people in this house. So Esther and her siblings um, had kind of a sad childhood. Their mother died when they were very young, and their father left to go marry his new life. He remarried, had more children, and just abandoned his old life and the children that came with it. Oh, no. Yeah. Kind of fucked up. Kind of a jerk. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So in the summer of 18... What? Oh, I said that's not nice. Like, you got to take the ones that you have. It's nice to be a deadbeat dad, no matter what era we're talking about. Yeah, there was no child support back then. Right? There were no judges saying, no, dude, you're you're going to not be an asshole. So, in the summer of 1878, Esther developed a crush on a shoemaker named Bob McNeil. One day, he took her on a carriage ride and then attempted to rape her at gunpoint. Oh, how romantic. Yeah, isn't that sweet? Luckily, Esther was able to escape unscathed, but she was mentally super messed up from it in the head, and she cried herself to sleep most nights and fell into a really deep depression. And this is where our story takes a really weird turn. So for reasons still unknown, after this, this incident took place, strange unexplained events started happening around the house that she lived in with her sister and brother-in-law. Esther and Jenny shared a room. They kept hearing these loud thumps from underneath Esther's bed. They assumed it was a mouse or an other type of rodent. So they looked under the bed and found nothing. The next evening, they were getting into bed when they noticed something crawling under the covers. Like, um, like they pulled back the covers and there was nothing there. But it was like this big mass was just coming up under the covers. So, like, when you lift the, oh, yuck. the bed, you expect to see something there, right? Because you see this, like, hump coming towards you. I said hump. <laughs> so they started alerting the whole household. The next evening, the girls heard a rustling in one of the boxes of scraps they kept under the bed, like um, scraps you'd use when you're knitting and shit like that. Not like scraps of food. They're not like, Uh you know, gross people, like 12-year-old boys. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So anyway, they pulled out the box, and the box suddenly became animated. It began jumping in the air, doing flips, spilling all the contents all over the room. And once again, they screamed and everybody showed up in the room. And of course, the box wasn't hopping. It wasn't doing anything. It was just sitting there being a box. But this is both Esther and Jenny. Yes. There's two of them seeing it. Yes, there's two of them. And they've heard the thumping, the whole thing. But don't worry, the family's going to catch on real fast. So a few Uh days after the box incident, Esther came down with a fever. She began screaming in agony and ripping off her clothes and screaming, my God, what is happening to me? I'm dying. So the family ran into her room to see her gasping for air as if she were being choked. Her skin was blistered and red and her body was swollen. And if that wasn't enough, she began to have seizures and started convulsing out of control on the floor. As the family stared at Esther, wondering what the fuck was going on, a series of loud bangs actually, to be particular, four loud bangs, uh, was heard coming from underneath the bed. This said the bangs were so deafening, but all of a sudden Esther stopped convulsing and went to a deep sleep. 
Her skin returned to its natural color. The blisters went away. Everything was peaceful. So for three days, she slept. During these three days, nothing happened. Just business as usual. As she woke up on the third day, her skin began to get so hot to touch. Her family members couldn't even touch her. She began to convulse again and her body started to swell. Once again came four loud bangs that shook the room and Esther fell back into her peaceful sleep. So finally her family decided, hey, maybe we should call a doctor. They hadn't called a doctor yet? No, they didn't call the doctor after her first set of seizures and fever. Okay, so side question. Go ahead. Do you know anything about epilepsy? Is there any like rash or anything that happens with that? Or is it just in your brain? Like, is there any skin? Okay. So that wouldn't explain anything like her convulsing. It's not like she's having a grand mal seizure. Really, really feverish. You know, a high fever would cause seizures. Yeah. But I don't know if they're connected. I mean, in this particular case. Right. I'm surprised they didn't call a priest being it back that like, exorcism you know well remember the the family per se had just this is their first kind of thing was the loud bangs so this they're not too tripped out i mean come on it took them this long to call a doctor for Christ's sake well no i just mean with her convulsing and everything you know like back then if you have a fit like you're a witch or you're something's you know that's a good point okay so this doctor i would say his name is carwright but when I was um, playing this back, you know, I have the where it will read it back to you. It kept saying carrot. I still think it's car right. <laughs> I don't think it's carrot. I think he just thinks I'm stupid, don't know how to spell. So I'm going to go with car right because that sounds more. I was going to say, is it carrot. like uh, my GPS? My <laughs> GPS calls Poway Poway. <laughs> yeah. It's, so I'm like, I think it's just dumb. So Dr. Carwright. Shows up expecting this sick sick girl, but instead he got to witness some really strange shit. So Dr. Carwright observed the girl sleeping when all of a sudden her pillow was pulled out from beneath her head. The blankets were pulled off by invisible hands. Then came a scream from underneath the bed and more scraping sounds and scratching. The doctor was baffled and he searched the room for any sign of trickery. (laughs) Then... Out of nowhere, a message was written on the wall above Esther's head that read, Esther Cox, you are mine to kill. And it was punctuated by a piece of broken plaster that had broken off the wall and landed at the doctor's feet. So the doctor left that night and returned the next day. The entity didn't like that. The doctor seemed to really just piss it off. So objects were thrown around the room by an unknown force. Heavy furniture was dragged like it dragged itself across the floor. Um, cold water began to boil all on its own. And knives and forks flew through the air only to get embedded into the walls. Oh, God. The banging got so loud that the neighbors could hear it. And they're like, what are you doing over there? Like, what's going on? Yeah. So at this, this point, like, the neighbors are kind of involved. So the doctor figured there was nothing he could do. So he gave her some sedatives and he bailed. The nocturnal attacks continued. Mystery forces would slap, push, and strike Esther multiple times during the day and night, which is pretty fucked up. They would leave these huge welts on her body and bruises. 
The ghost even started to set fires and threatened to burn down the house. The family began to notice patterns in the banging. They were at times able to communicate yes and no answers from the entity. Other times they could communicate with automatic writing. So one week, Esther fell ill with um, diphtheria. Diphtheria? Like on the Oregon Trail? Diphtheria? <laughs> diphtheria. He died of dysentery. We'll go diphtheria. with diphtheria. For several weeks, and Esther stayed at a relative's house. I believe it was an older sister she had. During those weeks, no strange attacks happened, and she thought maybe she was finally free. But that's not how the story ends. So she was at her relative's house, and she was fine. Yeah, I mean, she was sick. She was recovering from her bacterial infection, but nothing happened. But she didn't. Okay, gotcha. So then after she was recovered, she moved back to her sister Olive's house and the haunting began again. But this time it got worse. Lit matches began to fall from the ceiling. Oh, God. Clothing would spontaneously combust into flames. The entity began to speak with Esther and actually appeared to her on occasion. One night, the entity told her she had to leave the house that night or he would burn it to the ground. Esther decided she needed to move out to save her family. But the ghost followed. So she moved in with some neighbors, but the ghost started its shenanigans and she had to move out. Once she tried to go to mass, she sat in the back of the church. And as a priest began to speak, loud bangings came from above the church. They were so loud. How is he not exercised? He's outside the church. Oh, we'll get there. Sort of. Okay. I don't. Why? Sort of. Why did this ghost not follow her when she was sick? I don't know. Maybe he didn't Was want he to like, get sick. Oh, yeah, <laughs> she's sick. I'll leave her alone for a minute. Like, I she's not I'll looking too off. great. Because if she dies, yeah. you know, I can't fuck with her anymore. So this priest, he couldn't be heard because of these loud bangings. So Esther left the church, and of course, the banging stopped. Another time, Esther was working, and a knife suddenly flew into her back. A oh, man God. tried to help her, but an invisible force grabbed the knife and plunged it back into the same knife wound in her back. <laughs> Now, this oh. knife, not that it matters, but it was a pocket knife. It wasn't like a big butcher knife. I mean, still, nobody wants know. a knife in the back. Yeah, I don't want a needle coming at me unannounced. I just wanted to I let you know that, knife. you know, if it was like a butcher <laughs> knife, the story might have ended right there. Um, so yeah. the wound ended up getting infected, and she almost died from it regardless. Damn. And many people had witnessed this phenomenon, like the neighbors, priest had been to her house, they never say if they performed an exorcism. I mean, this is in the 1800s, so maybe they didn't do that yet. But they mm-hmm. didn't do it then. Um, but everybody wanted to help her. Everybody felt bad. So a number of people saw the stuff go down. Like, this wasn't just, like, the family. This was, like, a whole grouping of people. Wow. So Esther moved back to Amherst, to her sister's house. And the family was approached by a man named Walter Hubble. He was an actor, and he studied paranormal activities and psychic abilities. And so did he, asked, he launch the first uh, satellite? <laughs> no, I don't believe he had anything to do with the satellite. <laughs> but he asked if he could move in and study this phenomenon, which is kind of weird because, you know, nowadays if someone came to you and was like, hey, can I move in? I want to study your ghost. You might be like, who the yeah. fuck are you? No shit. Unless it was well, like Zach Baggins or something. It's uh, it's like Casper, you know, the ghost <laughs> psychologist who moves into the house to rid it of ghosts. See, then Casper wouldn't be bad. <clears throat> so they agreed, and he spent several weeks there. 
He witnessed objects teleporting about the house or falling from the ceiling. Fires started from nowhere, objects levitated, and he witnessed many physical attacks on Esther as well. I mean, if you think about it, this poor girl, she's 19 at this point. This is all within a year's time. And this ghost is beating the crap out of her. Yeah, and it all kicked off with an attempted rape. Yeah, that totally left her totally mentally fucked up in the head. Yeah. Like, hey, welcome to your... Like, this poor girl. And this ghost is a beater ass, and people are, like, writing it down. Like... (sighs) She's being studied. (laughs) So Walter was able to have simple conversations with the entity. Um, He was able to identify um, this entity from what the entity said. Like, um, one time he said his name was Maggie Fisher, which was a friend of Esther's who was killed when she was younger. Bob Nickel, Peter Cox, Jane Nickel, and Eliza McNeil. If you remember, her rapist was named, last name was McNeil, but they've never said if there was a connection. Ooh. Um, Peter Cox, that was like her grandfather. So but probably not. Her grandfather would be going around beating the shit out of her, you know? Yeah. The ghost would be able to guess how many coins were in his pocket. Like he would ask the ghost, hey, what do I have in my pocket? He'd be like, there's a dollar ten, yo. He probably didn't say yo. Yeah. Um, dollar ten in the 1800s. Baller. Right? That, no, right? I don't know what the, fluctu- the fluctuation is on that. Um, but he, the entity also told him he had been to hell and he had met the devil. So mm. one of the strangest things that ever happened that Walter witnessed was hearing the sound of a loud trumpet, after which a real trumpet materialized out of thin air and fell from the ceiling. Whoa! Which would be super weird. So Walter was super impressed with the spirit. So he talked Esther into doing like a show on the road where she would speak about what happened and in front of an audience, maybe the ghost would attack her. Well, the ghost didn't want to be in that play. He didn't attack her when she would do these road shows. And eventually the audience didn't like that. And she was booed from the stage. So she's getting booed for not getting her ass kicked on stage. Yes. They paid to see her her ass and it did not. (laughs) So she ended up going back home to Amherst. But she ended up taking a job with a local farmer as a helper. Unfortunately, the ghost followed her and burned down the farmer's barn. Oh, God. Esther told the police it was her ghost stalker. But she was found guilty of arson and sentenced to four months in prison. She actually only served one month because the whole town knew about this. And so many have witnessed it that even though they couldn't just sit there and say in court, okay, it was her ghost stalker. They released her after a month. Um, But what's weird is after she was released from jail, the tormenting stop, it started to fade. It was just little wisps of paranormal activity until one day there were none esther went on to marry twice had a son with each she died in 1912 on the titanic actually that's not true she didn't die no she did damn it aaron but she did die in 1912 at the age of 52 (laughs) um walter hubble published his version of the events in a book called the great amherst mystery a true narrative of the supernatural It also included 16 affidavits from multiple witnesses claiming it was all true. Even Dr. Carwright kept a journal of the events. No one has ever been able to figure out 
why it stopped Esther and why it stopped all of a sudden. They don't know who it was. They don't know if the entity found someone else. We'll just never know. But many investigation books have been written about this case. I think they just sold the movie rights, too, because there were so many reliable witnesses. What if there was like a ghost that was in purgatory and then it decided it had to go to hell instead of heaven during purgatory? Like maybe it was haunting her and then it got dead (laughs) like in the afterlife. I'm wondering if, like, Bob McNeil got killed or something, or he, like, was all pissed off and, like, made a deal with the devil. Like, stalk this bitch because she wouldn't let me rape her. I don't know. It just seems like it manifested after that. By the way, I forgot yeah. to do this with my sources, and it's a uh, okay. shit. I had to write it in little tiny font. Wikipedia, <laughs> the ghost stories of terrifying paranormal activity, haunted houses, and spooky places from around the world by Joe Levine. And mysteryuniverse.org. It was very important wow. to name the sources. Yes, it is. That is really terrifying. Isn't like, it? That's, yeah. Well, when and we I've were never doing. I've heard this story before. And I was like, how have I not heard this? Because it's like huge all over. There's so much about it. 16 just, like, people who have witnessed it. I mean, like, that's a lot of fucking people to to go on record saying that they've seen this. Yeah. He didn't like hide like the ghost entity, poltergeist, whatever you want to call it. Didn't hide it, except he didn't want to perform in front of audiences, <laughs> but he didn't. Well, or he, I say it was a, he, I don't know what it was, uh, but it stopped there, her. Um, like this ghost, she'd go to other places and, and then it would start again. And she's like, I don't want to hurt my family, you know, but it only went after her, except when it was burning down houses. Yeah. And except yeah. when she was in jail. Yeah. And when she was sick, it left her alone. When it didn't she was follow in jail, her to jail. It left her alone. But nobody knows who it was, why, why it left. Nobody knows. You know, I wonder if it just, if it wanted her to suffer. So when she was sick, she was suffering already. And then when she was in jail, she was probably suffering already. You know what I mean? Maybe it left her alone. One damage here. Time to move on to the next. Yeah. Like some psychologists say it was manifested because of her depression from the attempted rape that she manifested. Okay. And I was like, "Mm." there's so, Mm. there's so many people (laughs) suffering from depression and there's no one telling stories like that shit. Absolutely. Agreed. I was like, oh, so it's all her fault all over again, right? Quiet. But yeah, I was like, that's a crazy fucking yeah, story. It is a crazy story. You got a stalker story so for me? When we did, when, yeah, when we first talked about doing stalker stories, um, my initial thought was um, Danny LaPlante. Do you remember him? We oh, covered yeah, yeah. him. He hit in the wall. Yeah. That was, and I was like, oh, I already did that one. So this one, I'm sure everybody's heard of, um, but like Aaron said, it's important to cite my sources. So I just did Wikipedia and biography.com would basically told me everything. And then I think a while ago I read something in people magazine because they're, they either did a story or did a movie or they're going to do a movie with like, Natalie Portman or something. I don't know about this story, but it's loosely based 
It's not really based on it. Now I've got to know. Who is it? Okay, so this is the Lisa Nowak story. Ooh, I um, think I know this story. You do. You do. You just don't know her name. Um, okay. The media dubbed her as the Astro Nut. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. I do know this story. So February 5th, 2007, Lisa Nowak was arrested after she pepper sprayed Captain Colleen Shipman in Florida. Lisa Nowak was upset with Captain Colleen or Captain Shipman. I don't know how you reference that. Anyway, for her romance with a person named William Opheline, who went by the name Billy O. That was his nickname. Um after a long brewing problem of a, uh, what do they call them? A love lover's triangle, you know, a, it was a romance gone bad. So Lisa went to go get Captain Colleen because she was upset with Billy O. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to back up some. That's just every, I mean, anyone who's been listening to true crime for, you know, the genre for a while has heard of this. So I just wanted to get all of that out immediately. But we're going to back up some. So Lisa Nowak was born May 10th, 1963 in Washington, D.C. She came from two very educated parents, Alfredo Caputo. He was a computer consultant. Now, if you think back to 1960s, being a computer consultant is not like being in IT now. Like you had to <laughs> be really because I'm point. like a computer consultant, you know, that doesn't sound, you know, my first reaction is like somebody who works in IT, which you can do with a, you know, a trade degree from ITT tech. Actually, I don't think they exist anymore. But anyway, I was going to say, didn't they go out of business? Probably in the 60s and 50s. Like you had to fucking be someone to be working with computers. So he right. was very intelligent. Um, and her mother, Jane Caputo, was a biological specialist. So she was the oldest. Um, Lisa Nowak was the oldest of three girls growing up in Maryland. She was very good in school. She was a Girl Scout. She was accepted to the United States Naval Academy. Um, her parents wanted her to go to Brown University because she was also accepted to Brown University and her parents thought that that would give her a better education. But Elisa had known from a very early age after she watched the Apollo missions that she wanted to be an astronaut. And she felt that the Naval Academy was going to be better to get her to become an astronaut than Brown University. Well, that's nothing so, to say that. <laughs> no, both of them. She was, ex she is extremely intelligent. I mean, she is, uh, she was not hurting in college acceptance. Like she was, she could go wherever she wanted. Um, and Brown is a, I believe it's an Ivy league school, right? Isn't Brown? Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. Absolutely. It's definitely nothing to say that. Yeah. And I don't know what would have happened if she went to Brown, but she did become an astronaut and she went to the Naval Academy. So and how many kids even say that? Like, a lot of kids want to be an astronaut, but how many actually do it? Oh, yeah. Well, as soon as you have to put work in, kids are like, no, nope, fuck that. I don't need to be yeah. an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's it's a like lot I want to be a doctor. 
or how many kids are like, I want to be a veterinary or oh, a, a, I want to be a veterinarian of horses. Yeah. Well, as soon as they learn that the veterinarian has to see wounded animals, they're like, no, fuck that. I don't want to deal with that. Like, no. that's a lot of different anatomies to, to be that. I feel like, well, and you're basically a doctor. Yeah. I mean, you have to go through so much school. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, back to being an astronaut. She became an aerospace engineer. Um, what a dummy. She married, <clears throat> right? <laughs> she clearly was not trying at all. No, not at all. Okay, she married a man, Richard Nowak, in 1988 while she was at the Naval Air Station in Limor. He was a, the fuck is it called? He he went to school with her. A, a, I wanted to say a co-worker, but that's not right. He was a... Co-student. Yeah, that there's something. There's a fucking word and we're missing it. Um, <laughs> what? We're missing a word? God damn. Just one? I know. <laughs> it escaped our... There'll be more. I'm dealing with a highly educated woman here. Actually, two highly educated women. I can't... I compete. I'm not an aerospace engineer. I know. So, see, oh, now I know what you're thinking of. It hit me. Yeah. It's a... Like an, it's not an alum. It's I a keep wanting to say colleague, and that's not it. Colleague, colleague. <laughs> that's where I went first. Was uh, colleague. Oh my god, it's on the tip of my brain. Okay, well, just interrupt me when you figure it out. Okay. So they were together um, at the U.S. Naval Academy. So in 1992, she earned a master's in aeronautical engineering as well as a degree in aeronautical and astronautical engineering. Also, in 1992... <laughs> oh, my God. She had also, a, she found a cure for cancer. Also, she had a fucking son in 1992. Oh, like, wow. fuck. She so did all that she was her mother. Living, <laughs> I know. She was living her best life. She's a super right? badass. Like... She was doing it all. Her education, marriage, babies, fucking, she did the shit. She logged 1,500 hours of flight time. Wow. And in 1996, she became one of the 150 finalists for NASA's new group of astronauts. Um, there were Co-ed. two. Co-ed. No. Damn. No, that's what you call students. Not, like, that's just, a oh. co-ed is like. I like, thought that's what we were trying to guess. No, oh, that's well, like shit. I've been sitting here thinking of that word. <laughs> oh my god. Right, no, co-ed is like what they called the co-ed killer. You know, the fucking the giant, that yeah. giant guy. Yeah. The fuck is his name? I don't know, but his mom worked for the university. Yeah, it starts with a K. His last name Ed Ed Ed, Ed Kemper. Kemper. There it is. Kemper. Yes. We got there. We did. All right. We're awesome. So later that year in 1996, she was chosen as a mission specialist candidate. So she and her family, which a mission specialist is fucking like, it's not just someone who is in the spaceship, you know, like, or not in the spaceship. I mean, it's not someone who's just in NASA. They are in the spaceship. They are a specialist that's going like it's to pretty badass us. just to be in the spaceship, to be quite honest. <laughs> well, it's 
Well, no, no, no. I, I, I mean, she's going to be in the spaceship. She's not just in NASA as like a mission controller. She's a specialist candidate. And she's the real deal. Yeah. Um, also, this was back in the time when w- women were not as important. Um, what? There was a time like that? Uh, it, it was not there. I don't know how to say this without sounding like I'm saying something bad, but there wasn't ever really an affirmative action hire for women type per se. Like she was just um, a badass. She was the best in her field. So she had to, and I'm not saying that people who are hired for, for like, I don't want to get into that whole thing. I'm not trying to say that there's, I'm just trying to equate that like her job, she had to beat out some men. They didn't have to hire a certain amount of women to be part of this program. So she really did have to. Yeah. So. And there were 2,400 applicants that were seriously considered. So she was a finalist out of that because, you know, there's like probably 60,000 applicants to be part of NASA. Absolutely. Um, So later, like I said, she was chosen as mission specialist. So she and her family which is her husband and her son at the time, moved to Clear Lake City, Texas. And her husband was a naval flight officer. So he was pretty high ranking in the Navy as well. Um, She had twin girls in 2001 while she was working as an operator of the space shuttle's robotic arm. Wow. So that's her specialty. Uh, (laughs) The next year, her husband was deployed. So <laughs> he's deployed. He's in, uh, I believe it's Afghanistan. I'm not sure. Uh, this is around 2002. So Sounds that would right. be. Iraq, Afghanistan, yeah. yeah. She had three small children, right? She has a set of twin girls and her son. She was working a super high intensity job. Very demanding. Then 2003, the Columbia disaster, the space shuttle that exploded in space. Well, it killed seven astronauts. She was charged with being the her friend. Laurel Clark was a good friend of hers. She was charged with being the family's um, casualty assistance officer liaison. So. It is NASA's protocol to provide assistance to families when for astronauts who perish in, you know, the line of duty. I don't know how that equates there, but like, you know, while they're working for NASA and that means that this officer, which in this case is Lisa, she helps with financial arrangements. She gets all of the financial documents. She kind of puts everything in a nice little package to give to the family that will help them, you know, so they don't have to worry about that sort of thing while they're dealing with the devastation of losing a family member. Mm. Um, And also Laurel Clark wasn't the only good friend of hers to perish in that disaster. She had three, there were, it was Laurel Clark who she was good friends with. And then two other classmates who graduated with her in 1996 wow. died in that disaster as well. So that was a big, I mean, fucking monumental psychological. She's her husband's away. She's dealing with three small children. She's dealing with this shit. Um, 
she was putting her body and mind through major battles as well, because she was also doing survival training courses. She was still up on all of her physical uh, stuff. Cause to be an astronaut, you have to be fucking physically fit, like major. Um, so at one of these survival training courses, one of which was held uh, in Canada, which was a cold weather one where they like dropped them off and were like, Hey, if you survive in two weeks, we'll come back and get you sort of a situation. (laughs) If you don't, Hey, it actually wasn't, they were come back. It was, you have to travel to this point, you know, like we'll give you a map and then you have to get to this point. So we'll pick you up. And if you don't, then, you know, you can't go to space. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So that's a lot of pressure on one of these missions. There were obviously a few American astronauts, and then there was also uh, a few Russian and Canadian people as well. But one of these astronauts was William Opheline, Billy O, uh, who you remember the name from the beginning of the story. And she had worked with him before over the years. Like, I think they met in 1996, and they had kind of like, you know, I think once you get to the top of the chain in the Navy or in NASA, it's a really small circle. You know, you kind of like right. have comings and goings with all these people. They kind of keep in, they're in the mix. You know, you meet with them, you work with them, then you go away, then you meet with them and work with them again and whatever. So she was friendly with him for quite a few years. But it was after this specific Canadian survival course that Billy O and Lisa Nowak began an extramarital affair because they were both married at the time. And because they were both in the military, it's worse than if they were civilians because they could be charged with, (laughs) this is a quote, conduct, conduct, that's not the quote. (laughs) (laughs) The quote is conduct unbecoming of an officer and a gentleman. And I thought that was funny because I've always heard conduct unbecoming of an officer, but I I never finished it. Um, (laughs) And you have to be a gentleman as well. Or a lady. Yes. There's no lady. What the fuck is that? Like, what, she's in it, too. Well, one, um, we can't help ourselves, you know. I know. Well. We're so weak. So, William Billy O's wife found the emails. Just a side note on this whole Will, William Billy O thing. I didn't find out his nickname was Billy O until I looked at biography.com, and I had already written everything else. So, I... <laughs> That's why I keep saying both, because I wrote William, uh, because I don't like his last name, Opheline, because it sounds like Ovaltine. It totally and I'm gonna sounds fuck like Ovaltine. That's <laughs> yeah. all I think of. <laughs> so he's now Billio. So Billio's wife found the emails from the two of them, Billio and Lisa, and she filed for divorce. So which, I mean, all things considered is pretty nice. Because yeah. she could have reported him. She could have ruined his career. You know. Well, she but probably wanted she that paycheck, too. Yeah. That's true. That's I mean, true. That's a fair Still point. the father of your children. You that. want him to not be a loser. I get it. Well, yeah. I don't know if they had children, actually. Yeah. That's what I mean. They, it's a father. No, really of, oh, they had no children. I don't think. I, I It didn't oh. say. So I'm not sure. Okay. I'm just saying I don't, that I'm not sure. Okay. Um, but she could have. She could have fucked him up. Yeah, she could have. And but a lot she of women would have. That was 2005. So William moved into an apartment, Billy O, 
And Lisa regularly visited said apartment. She had her own key. She was still married at the time. Independence Day, 2006, so this is a year later, she went up into space. It was the first time ever launching anything into space on Independence Day. And she was on that flight. So she was up there as the aeronautical engineer for the robotic arm. And one of the things that I found interesting, more funny than interesting, is that there was a white spot on the tip of the nose cap. And she had to use the robotic arm to find out what it was because they thought it was high velocity, high velocity impact of something that could be a problem because, you know, the fucking, what is it called? The Challenger? Is that the one that exploded yeah. in 2003? You know, the, no, Columbia. Oh, Columbia. There it is. So Challenger they were like 85, 86, 86. Yeah, they were concerned, right? Because they thought it was going to be high velocity impact that could have um, dire consequences because the Columbia, it was basically just a bit of debris that jacked their whole thing up. So they were like super cautious about what was going on. Lisa used the robotic arm to determine that it was bird shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Doesn't matter where you go. Um, There's always bird shit. I know. No, and I didn't mean it to be a dig at her skills because she's fucking badass. No, but I thought it was funny. It is funny. I totally get that, like the severity. You have to take everything seriously because you know there's it's space. Like right, one little tiny. (laughs) We've all seen Alien. We know what happens in space. (laughs) So she spent just shy of 13 hours in space. On that mission. Oh, wow. I think it was like 12 hours and something. Oh, a quick trip. Yeah. Well, she basically, she went up there to go help. Um, Clear the bird shit. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't. Anyway, that's not why I'm talking about her. So I'm going to go to stick with what I know <laughs> and not <laughs> what I don't know. So 2007, this is after her space venture. She separated from her husband. And her relationship with William, Billy O., it kind of cooled itself. So in the beginning, it was super hot and heavy. You know, it was an affair. It was whatever. Billy O started seeing another woman, Captain Colleen Shipman. Man, he has a type, doesn't he? Late 2006. Yeah. Well, also, these are all astronauts. I feel like you, you could have anyone you want. You've been in fucking space. You know right. what I mean? Like we've all seen what the fuck is that movie? <laughs> this is my whole life right now. There's so many. The fuck favorite movie. Yes, there it is. <laughs> we've I don't all seen our <laughs> It's Dave's favorite movie. I've seen it like no it shorter really? than like a bazillion times. Yes. Oh, that's so funny. Well, I don't I don't know if it's a hundred percent favorite, but anytime it is on, it is watched. Period. I've seen it maybe twice in my entire life. Oh God. No, for no reason in particular. Like I haven't avoided it. It's a great movie. It is a great movie. movie. Like now I kind of want to see it again, to be honest. Yeah, it's really good. So anyway, they're all space people. They could have whoever they want. My husband's Um, a hardcore space person too. Like I get it. Like my husband's all about space. 
Every time the space know. station he goes by, outside. he's out there watching it. He's a fucking nutbag. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when one of the satellites went overhead and he's like, come look, come look. Oh, my <laughs> this is my life. He's a crazy nutbag. He watches every launch of every spaceship. I mean, spaceship. You know what I mean? Cape Canaveral. Yeah. He's on it, man. If he can't be there, he's watching it. He'll take oh, days off. Oh, does he watch the Mars landing? Oh, of course. I'm sure he recorded yeah. it. I also watched it. I mean, but. he's super cool. Don't get me wrong, but he's really obsessed. Like, his bathroom is space. That's his theme in his bathroom. Yours is mermaids. Yeah, but mine's it's badass. Like it's a space. Okay, mine's super, <laughs> like, mermaids, water, bath. Come on. Okay, let's get back. Our train went off the rails. Let's, All right. Let's <laughs> call out <laughs> um, I have no idea. Perhaps it's a bottle of wine. I don't know. <laughs> so, her relationship with the person she was having an affair with kind of cooled off. It's possible it's because both of them had separated from their, you know, respective spouses at the time. So it wasn't as, you know, hot and heavy. It wasn't as secretive. I don't know. Not as much fun. But... Yeah. I get it. Yeah. But he also, Richard, um, not Richard, I'm sorry, uh, William, was seeing Captain Colleen Shipman at the time, too. So the women, Lisa didn't know about Colleen. Colleen knew about Lisa. So Billy O was being honest with Colleen, saying, like, hey, I, I was seeing Lisa you know, we're colleagues now and we're not, you know, we stopped that, but I just want to let you know that this was happening. And then once they got serious, um, Colleen and Billy O, he stopped seeing Lisa. Oh, Lisa clearly didn't like this, but so Lisa wasn't, there was no conversation that Billy O had with Lisa other than we're not going to see each other anymore, but she didn't really know about Colleen until she did some digging on her own Um, because I don't I mean, they did eventually they were like, uh, God damn it. I keep wanting to say they were filmed together and they weren't. They had their picture taken like out and about, you know, they weren't okay. being hush hush about it. So she right. did find out it wasn't like she had to do a whole lot of digging, but it was William didn't say. Right. They were on Facebook. You know, they were on Facebook. Her. They were on oh, my I'm face sure together. MySpace, yeah. get it? <laughs> no pun intended. MySpace engineering. Mm-hmm. It was clever. I'll give it to you. No, but I'm sure Billy O didn't There's like tell a Lisa. When they, they chatter and shit. No, I'm sure Billy O didn't tell Lisa, like, we can't see each other. He probably left that shit wide open because he's a man and probably just wanted to make sure that yeah. he didn't. Do a hard and fast stop. Yeah, you're probably right. right. He was just like, we're not going to see each other anymore. You're just a booty call. It's no big deal. Yeah, but he didn't want to close the whole book because in case it didn't work out with Colleen, he probably wanted right back in with that shit. So that's a good point, too. Um, I lost my place. I'm sorry. I got way off. I digressed completely. So (laughs) 2007, Lisa was passed up for a mission specialist on the STS-120. This is January 2007. We have Lisa getting passed up with her 
romantic partner. She, we have her separating from her husband. We have her getting passed up for a mission specialist. This is where we get into the meat and potatoes of why I'm talking about this case as it relates to stalking. So February 2007, Lisa Nowak packed up to drive 900 miles from where she lived in Houston, Texas, to Orlando, Florida, where oof. Captain Colleen Shipman lived. What? I said, oof, that's a long drive. And, yeah. She packed many things, but to note, she packed a gun with ammo, a black wig, gloves, pepper spray, a trench coat, which was tan, by the way. Wouldn't so she do a, a black trench coat? A serial killer kit? Uh-huh. Oof. A hammer and a knife. Gosh, she, she also, wasn't sure of her weapon yet, huh? <laughs> she wasn't. Well, she didn't want to be prepared for everything. She's a fucking Girl Scout, remember? That's true. She's prepared. Oof. She wore adult diapers so <laughs> she wouldn't have to stop and pee. But you so. got to stop gas anyway. You might as well pee at the same time, honestly. Okay, so this is... I thought the same thing and then I got fucked up and I never went back and looked. But do you remember the my brain is not working today. The girl who murdered her boyfriend in Arizona, she and oh my God, she had black hair and then at trial and then they go back and she had pictures of her with blonde hair. It starts with an A. She took pictures. No, she took pictures of him and then murdered him, and they found oh. the camera in the dryer. Yes. Oh, God. I'll never remember the name, but I totally know what you're talking about. We did it. We did that episode. Oh, I heard it somewhere. If we didn't do it, I've oh, heard it. Yes. Do an episode. I heard it on Martinis and Murder. I know who you're talking about. Not that that helps you. Jody Arias. Yes. Jody Arias. Jody Arias. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So I was getting confused. Between this and her, because she went to a gas station and got gas cans and kept them in her trunk so she oh. wouldn't be spotted at a gas station. Okay. So I was trying I get to. What you're saying. Yeah. See, I was trying to see if she did the same, if Lisa that did the same, but I. God, that's a lot of gas to carry so, around because that only holds like a gallon of gas. Five gallons, you know. It's not made to like, you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not made. To, for cross-country trips, it's made for, like, when you run out of gas. But, yeah, okay. You're right. Um, but fast, who am I to say what she does? She's a astrophysicist. What do I know? She could make her own gas, for all right. we know. As far as I know, she's put tortilla chips and figured it all out. Yeah. All right. So, she drove the 900 miles, presumably, to kidnap Captain Colleen Shipman. She drove straight to the Orlando airport. There was notes taken on letterhead was the USS Nimitz. Oh, um, that's in she, San Diego a lot of times. The Nimitz. Yeah, she yes. had. Well, it goes. It's here. Then it go. You know, I'm sure it was um, stationed um, in Texas sometime too. What naval carrier? I don't know. It's a naval fucking ship. That's all I know. Yeah. It's an aircraft carrier, I think. It's always docked in San Diego. Yeah, it is. Most of the time. But it, it also goes to Texas. You know, it goes around. <clears throat> At least to the once in a while. <laughs> so anyway, she had on this stationery from that ship, um, Colleen's 
airline and when she got back from, I don't know where she came from, but she was going to land in the Orlando airport at the time that Lisa had dictated onto that note paper. So she went to the airport and she waited for a few hours because um, Captain Colleen's luggage had been delayed. So she was waiting at the carousel for her stuff to arrive. It didn't arrive. She went to the help desk. The help desk said, hey, here's a $12 voucher for a meal while you wait for your luggage. And then it eventually came. So Lisa was sitting outside the whole time waiting for her. After Colleen exited, after getting her luggage, she felt like someone was following her. Because remember, she's a badass too. Like she's been in the military. She is extremely educated as well. Like she's in the the space program. Like she's a fucking captain. Right. Um, so she's not stupid. If somebody's fucking following her, she's like, hey, the fuck are you doing? So she felt someone was following her. So she hustled out to her car. When she got in her car, she was pepper sprayed by Lisa. She got in the car. She was able to shut the door and drive off. Oh, wow. And that's when she informed police, which to me, like you're being followed. This is this is what stood out to me that she's a badass as in her own right is, first of all, I would be like just all the other horror films where like somebody's following me and I have car keys in my hand and I can't get into my car and I can't oh, right. start my car because and then kick them under the car. <laughs> Yeah, I'm dropping keys. I'm falling on the floor. I'm, you know, (laughs) just being a spaz. I'm running up the stairs, taking a shower. (laughs) Right. So she didn't do any of that because she's highly trained and a badass. (laughs) So she got in her car and she drove away. When she called the cops, they arrived just in time to catch Lisa throwing her trench coat, her wig and other things in the trash. They arrested her. Um, for attempted kidnapping, battery, attempted vehicular burglary, or vehicle, I'm sorry, vehicle burglary with battery and destruction of evidence. So Colleen applied for a restraining order after she was arrested because Colleen's not, (laughs) yeah, Colleen's not an idiot and realizes she's probably going to get out because the justice system is fucked when it comes to stalkers and people being, you know, disgusting. So, she applied for the restraining order because uh, she said that Lisa had actually been stalking her for the last few months, but she didn't really take that much of a threat because Colleen's a badass. You know, right. like, it's like, I got this. Yeah, it's like, she's crazy. She's upset I'm dating her ex-boyfriend. Like, you know, you don't, you don't ever want, you're not ever going to think the worst. Like, oh, this bitch is going to try and kill me. Right. I'm not going to be a Lifetime movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Little did she know. Right. But um, thank God she just didn't just like collapse after the pepper spray like the majority of us would do. You know, go down her knees, be like, oh, my God. I mean, who knows what would have happened if she hadn't just said, fuck it, get in the car and went on her way. You know, she fucking drove her car after being pepper sprayed. Without being able to see. Right. Without all be all fucked up. But she probably got that. She's amazing. I don't whatever you do in training, you don't always know that you're actually going to do it in real life in person. A hundred percent. And so the fact that she did it is 
amazing because there are so many people who get trained to do stuff and then it actually happens and they fucking drop the ball. Like she was trained and she fucking did it because she's badass. Colleen is a bigger badass. (laughs) That's why she's at NASA and we're not. For sure. So um, Lisa was released on bail of $15,000. She had to wow, wear a much. GPS monitor. It's fucking nothing. That's nothing. That's fucking low. Well, $15,000, wow. you only have to pay 10% yeah, and you're out. Nothing. You could pay the whole 15000 and not even have to oh, forfeit any money. That's crazy. Because like a domestic violence, like the minimum bail is usually 100000 And that's pretty close to domestic violence, you know? Attacking an ex-boyfriend's girlfriend. Oof. I think this is where, and I'm not faulting Colleen in the slightest. Like I'm not even I'm not trying to say that she did anything wrong, but I think this is where when it's your first um allegation, like when it's your first complaint that someone is stalking you or is doing whatever, they don't, don't take it as serious. Whereas like if she because she said she had been doing this for two months. If she had documented that this had been happening for two months with the police, perhaps. Right. It would have been the first incident, per se. Exactly. Yeah, I get what you're saying. But and I I mean, no disrespect to Colleen. I think she's a total badass. And I don't like I don't ever want to blame the victim. But I think that's why she got off so light. So Lisa has to wear a, a GPS monitor and was not allowed to have any contact with Colleen Shipman, which fucking duh. Like fucking uh, Lisa Nowak was charged by the Orlando police with first degree murder. This was or attempted first degree murder. I'm sorry. It's like, this wait a was, minute. <laughs> I mean, it took a turn no, but that I missed. You missed the best part. <laughs> no, nobody died. Um, but this was just to keep Lisa in prison or in jail. Prosecutors had no intention to actually charge her. Uh, like bring her to trial right. for the murder the fuck out and maybe get her shit it was like 15 grand and she was out so they charged her with attempted murder to try and get her back in and to be held so that she wasn't out being a danger that was very um, smart yeah well it is but it didn't work out at all so oh. the bail was then set for ten thousand dollars more so it was twenty five thousand dollars Oh, woo. So she paid it and she fucking left. So Lisa Nowak's lawyers tried to get an insanity plea saying that she suffered from OCD, insomnia and depression, which like who fucking doesn't? Yeah, I was going to say that doesn't make you stalk people and wear diapers. The OCD, I can understand I, I can see that coming from a very young age with her where she decides on something and she has to do it. I mean, OCD can manifest. A lot of people use it as a joke, like, oh, I have to clean this all the time because I'm OCD. But like OCD comes, it's not cleanliness. It's a compulsion to do a specific act True. and you stop at nothing to do it. Right. I mean, whether that's her finishing school, whether that's her being a part of NASA, whether that's her, I mean, and also one of the things I read about her joining NASA was when she was in NASA, she applied for a specific position like six or seven times. 
Like she was going to get it. So (laughs) she, I see the OCD-ness of, you know, she has something in her mind and she's going to fucking do it. Like come hell or high water. Um, Nothing wrong with that. She wanted, yeah, no, it's not. I mean, and when that's, when that is society's, uh, the way society looks at things as a positive, it's often overlooked, you know, right. I mean, getting your degree, getting your uh, post doctorate or p- post whatever the fuck, like all of those things are as a society that's looked at as great. You are have you're driven, you're, right, you're driven. But there, could be, there could be some psychological issues there that you don't you know, it works to the favor of what we think people should do. So the common so good more than the common bad. Yeah. Right. I get that. And insomnia and depression, does it lead you to be extremely driven? No, that's very true. No. <laughs> yeah. You're fucking tired and you're cranky and you don't want to deal with people's shit. Yeah. Like, that's about that. Fuck it. And I'd you're so. In my house more, but no, not so much. Whatever. And you're just so tired. You want to cry that you just want to go to sleep. Like, I feel like that's, I don't have insomnia or depression. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, um, I have no doubt that she probably suffered from all of these things because she went through a fucking megaton of shit. I mean, yeah, not to excuse baggage. Yeah. I don't want to excuse any behavior that, upset someone else I mean that's kind of the libertarian in me of like do whatever you want just don't fucking affect other people like she went through a lot of hardship but she passed that on to Captain Colleen and she didn't deserve any of this shit so like I'm I'm happy nobody died and everyone can learn from the experience but like (laughs) don't fucking tell me you have OCD and insomnia and depression and you can wear a diaper for 900 miles and then try and kill a bitch like, no, yeah, I would never wear a diaper. If I'm wearing a diaper, I better be so goddamn senile. I have no clue I'm wearing a diaper. Because that's okay. just going to want to take myself out. I have just a friend there. and I, I know that this friend listens. So shout out to you. They put on an adult diaper at my 30th birthday party because they. I had other friends who thought it was a joke that I was getting so old. They bought me depends or like you know the adult diaper thing yeah as a joke and I had a friend and they put this adult diaper on because we thought it was funny they went into the bathroom and like did it on their own like in it's not like they put it on in public but they put it on in the bathroom and then went to the bathroom in it just see what it be I've like. I've never been that so, drunk. I'm sorry, but I give her mad props. I'd be laughing my ass off. Oh my god. So shout out to you because I know you listen and I love you so much. And it's a story that I wish I could tell, but I'm gonna leave that uh, <laughs> anonymity off air, to you. You're gonna fucking tell me. <laughs> oh yeah, off air for sure. <laughs> okay. Hey, so no judgment. I think it's fucking hilarious. It was fucking hilarious, and I love this person <laughs> till the end of the earth. So February, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped some. So uh, Lisa did get a bit in her favor when it came to the ruling. Her interview that she had done with police was inadmissible in court because she was not given her Miranda rights. Oh, whoops. Um, so her kind of, she never really confessed per se, 
but she was implementing herself. Well, when you had a gun and a knife and pepper spray and a yeah. hammer, Even if you it don't really have to get that much. Yeah. February 13th, 2007, she pleaded not guilty to attempted murder, attempted kidnapping. And March 2nd, she was charged with attempted kidnapping with intent to inflict bodily harm or terrorize. Yeah. Um, I fucking hate how they group everything together. It's like you can have in, in like kidnapping with intent to inflict bodily harm or you can do it with intent to terrorize. Like why group those together? Because somebody who didn't do one or the other could get off. Do you know what I, I mean? Like, like those yeah. clowns who were fucking all over the place. They were int- attempting to, to terrorize. terrorize. Right. Not kidnap. They just wanted to, to scare the harm. shit out of you, which would have worked for me. So thank right. you for not attacking me. Yeah. Oh, she also got charged with burglary, burglary of a convey conveyance with a weapon and battery. Oh, uh, okay. They did not go ahead with the uh, charge of attempted murder because Again, like I said, they were just trying to do that to get her to stay in jail. And when that didn't work, they dropped the charge because there was no proof. Yeah, there was no proof. So there were many motions. The trial was postponed, et cetera. Finally, okay, so November 10th, 2009. This is two years later. Lisa Nowak pleaded guilty to felony burglary and misdemeanor battery. She got a year of probation, community wow. service, and had to write an apology letter to Captain Colleen Shetman, which <laughs> I personally think is absolutely disgusting. I don't care about her probation, community service, whatever the fuck. But this woman stalked and terrorized Captain Colleen Shipman, and the yes, court made her have contact with her. Like, uh, what the actual fuck? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. let Colleen live her fucking life. Well, I'm sure a Why? lot of it was because of her position. Like, you know, be different. It was you and me. We're not highly educated NASA tops. But, yeah, that's pretty fucked up. And it's woman on woman, which but I think what? if it was a man doing that, it would be 100% different. I agree. And that's where I'm going with this is like if it was a man stalking a woman, would they make the man write a letter to the fucking stalked person? I would hope like, not. That would be terrorizing like, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, why should she have to even look at another thing? Well, that like the, this like the Lisa- apology is going to be sincere anyway. When you make somebody apologize, it's not the same. Like, that's weird. That's yeah. just weird. Okay, Ryan, I agree. So you're sorry. It sounds like me doing kindergarten. Like, oh, you pushed him down. I now apologize. I mm, hate it so much. It is pretty well, mellow. It's like, why? Let Colleen live. Let her move on. And then she has to receive this letter that says, I'm yeah, sorry. She doesn't need like, a sorry. No. She's if not that anything, person. Anything, I should be. I'm speaking for Colleen. The. Dr. Colonel or. Captain that, you know, if the court wants an apology from Lisa, then the court should get an apology from Lisa. <laughs> then Lisa should have to write well, the, court. the court that we have to like, clear. I'm sorry to Colleen. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um. 
So Lisa was given full custody of her three children. Oh, wow. She had a great attorney, man. Oof. Yeah. Which, are you fucking insane? Like, you... I'm not she saying that husband, if she got full custody after all that. Well, and love is fucking stupid. Love is crazy. You do love stupid is- shit for it. It doesn't mean you're a bad parent. I I understand that perspective. However, if you're going to bring to the courts. She could break it. Uh, eyes, that she's so OCD and she's so insomniatic and she's so depressed that she could commit a felony let's give her the children like if you would have just said it's crazy she's crazy she was obsessed with this guy and it, you know it made her insane whatever but like to bring all that other stuff like that doesn't sound like a good mom you know if you have all that stuff also i'm not sure insomniatic is a real word but i just threw I like it out it. there i mean i'm in on it i would i'm insomniatic Although I'm doing much better so, for the record. Oh, good. Actually, I'm happy to hear. Okay. So she, it wasn't until 2010, she left the Navy. She was officially retired in 2011. They, um, the Navy board decided to change her rank. So she was demoted from captain to commander, which I had no idea the rank of captain until I saw she was demoted to commander. Cause then I'm like, fuck captain is huge. Cause if you're a commander of something that's giant. Right. Agreed. So it put it in perspective for me. Um, obviously Colleen Shipman was not pleased with the sentence. No, there was leniency due to it being Lisa's first offense. Which I also think is horseshit. There are loads of people whose first offense is murder. Like, right. why leniency? Like, like leniency to me in my world is like for nonviolent crimes. Like, you get caught with drugs. Your right. paraphernalia. Like, non, yeah, nonviolent theft. You know, you walk you're out right of right. raw with clothes. Like, yeah, <laughs> your first offense. Whatever. Yeah, but not to fucking drive 900 miles with a fucking murder bag. <laughs> right. Not... With a shit ton of weapons. Oof. Yeah. So Lisa officially divorced her husband in 2008. She was, demo- like I said, she was demoted to commander. She was given a, quote, other than honorable discharge. Oh. Which I also meant to look Ouch. and see. It's not dishonorable, though. But so it's, it's not other honorable than, either. But that's what I was going to look. to space. Was it worth it for this fucking guy? Like, really? Well, she wasn't either because she had already been passed up for but her next mission. But she already got and she was just going to be passed up again. Like, now she'll never get up to space again. Oh, well, you know, once you're... Haven't you watched Armageddon? Once you're passed up once, you don't go back. Oh, Sorry, I've There's always a couple times new, 800 years ago. Just you Armageddon me. <laughs> I was the only one I know. <laughs> so Lisa lives in Texas with her oh. three kids. Billy O and Colleen Shipman, they married. They oh. moved to Alaska where they oh, still shit. live. They had a like, drive here, bitch. <laughs> they had a son um together and from red they're happy and colleen was obviously shaken 
by the event, but she moved on and she has a career in writing. She writes under the pseudonym <laughs> C.M. McCoy. Oh. This is what I fucking wrote in my thing. She writes U-N-U-N-D-D-E-T-T-H-E. <laughs> like, what okay. the fuck? <laughs> How am I supposed to read this shit? Who's writing this? <laughs> fucking what buckets. So, also, in 2011, Lisa had her criminal case sealed, which I'm so much quite sure why, because it's so well known that, like, right. like she, when she's going for a job interview, people aren't like, <laughs> oh, hey, you're Lisa Nowak, the fucking astronaut, but it's my yeah. case. Yeah, everyone already knows, so good luck with that. <laughs> right. That's funny. Weird. She probably so, had some really high classified shit and they just want to appease her for national security reasons she saw some aliens why would, she can't talk but why would nasa need classification unless they're saying watch out because when you get past the orbit or the the atmosphere aliens might try and shoot you well no, if they want to shoot us we'd already be dead they're just saying but i just mean why would just shut your fucking mouth yeah well, well, we'll be easy on you so you don't. Because she probably knows so much shit. No. Oh, my God. Another country could try to, like, get her and be like, you know shit. Oh, that's true. I get what you're saying. She I get that part. She didn't get that high up and not know some shit, man. Just yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Like, we're going to appease her for national security reasons. Yeah. Pay her. Let's say bye then. All right. Bye, um, guys. We'll talk to you again next week. Yeah.